All your favorite CBC podcasts are now available on YouTube. The best in award-winning true crime investigations, hilarious comedies, vibrant pop culture conversations, and even more audio series are all available on CBC Podcast's YouTube channel. You'll also find exclusive video first episodes, YouTube shorts, and behind-the-scenes content from our hosts and producers that you can't find anywhere else. So if YouTube is your go-to source for podcasts, just search CBC Podcasts and hit subscribe, and you'll never miss the latest update. This is a CBC Podcast. Jeanette Beckman has captured some of the most iconic moments in hip-hop history with her camera. The photos she's taken are still displayed all over the world. She's like the Annie Leibovitz of hip-hop. She'll tell you how she took some of the earliest photos of LL Cool J, Slick Rick, and salt and pepper That's coming up. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And he just walked onto my set, put his bag down on the floor, grabbed his crutch, and I took a picture. And turns out to be one of, you know, I think it is a kind of legendary picture at this point. I'm sure you are wondering what that clip is all about. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. This week on Q, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. And the person you just heard from was on the front lines of hip-hop, just as it was going from being a style played in parties to becoming big business, from being a community music to creating global stars. Jeanette Beckman is a photographer who captured some of the most iconic moments in hip-hop history on film, from the first photo of LL Cool J and his boombox, to Flava Flav's first clock, to Run DMC on the streets of Hollis, Queens. Jeanette was there capturing every single moment. Her work has gone on to be shown in galleries all around the world. It's also part of permanent collections of the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture. It's currently on exhibit at the Seaport in New York City. She has an incredible story of how a young woman from England transplanted into hip-hop, meeting these soon-to-be legendary musicians, and how she built their trust. Here's my conversation with Jeanette Beckman. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for that awesome intro. Let's talk a little bit about how you ended up, how you ended up photographing hip hop artists to begin with. Because my understanding is you were a a punk photographer first, right? Yes. Well, I grew up in London. And uh, when I came out of art school, punk was just happening. And uh, I went to work for um, some weekly music papers, Melody Maker, and also the Face magazine. And I worked for them from like 1976 to 82. When, you know, one day in a meeting at Melody Maker, they were like, well, there's this new thing coming. It's uh, the New York rap review and uh, we need somebody to go take photos of it. I put my hand up and I guess about a couple of days later, I went to meet these guys and I was just blown away by the energy. I ran around and they were staying in an Airbnb in Victoria station near victoria station and i ran around and took pictures of everybody even though i didn't really know who they were so 
that afternoon, it turns out, I find out years later that I photographed some of the, you know, godfathers and godmothers of of the genre. Like who? And Futura, graffiti artist Futura, Dondi, Ramel Z, Fab Five Freddy, oh. Africa Bambata. Just get on down. Double Dutch Girls, uh, Grand Mixer DST, The Rocksteady Crew. I mean, it was crazy. And I went to the concert that night and they were all on stage together. And honestly, I'd never seen anything like it. And um, I was coming to visit a friend in New York a month later for Christmas, and I just never went back. <laughs> right. You said, I, I, you said, I'm going to New York. There's a movement happening here. There's a cultural happening happening here, and I, I want to be here for it. I mean, I came here, and, you know, everything was just happening all around. People breakdancing on the street, people walking around on the subway with boomboxes. It was really exciting. I had a really different kind of positive energy that I wasn't getting in London because I think we were all kind of done with punk at that point. So did you, it was did, great. Did, did you get any work? Did you get any official work? In the beginning, I thought because I'd done by then a police album cover and I'd photographed The Clash and Boy George and pretty much everybody from the punk era, you know, everybody, the undertones, you name it. I thought I was going to come and take my work to uh, big record companies, Sony and CBS, and get work. But when I walked in with these pictures, they're like, eh, your photos are too messy looking. People's hair isn't combed. You know, you can see their zits. It's too gritty. We can't really hire you. So I was a little disappointed, but Eventually, someone came up with this. Uh, there's a new group. They're called the Fearless Four. They have an album coming out. You can photograph them. They're rappers. It was like 1983-84. And uh, that was my first hip-hop album cover. Coming from the punk scene, how did you go about, like, gaining trust with the folks who were making the sort of emerging genre? It was really amazing and fortuitous. I mean, here I was, young British woman, going out to the Bronx with my camera on my own. And people, you know, back then didn't really travel and hadn't been to, you know, hadn't been to Europe. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I work for a British magazine called The Face and I've come to take your picture. And they were super friendly to me. Everybody was really nice. And perhaps because I was not from America and they were curious, you know. It's interesting now to look at some of the photos when I was getting ready for this interview. I was looking at some of the photos. And uh, with, with all respect to you, like, I was looking at them and knowing the photos so well and not knowing that you had taken them. You know what I mean? Like, I, they've, they've just become so, like, sort of iconic to me. Like, what's the one um, kind of early hip-hop pioneer, Slick Rick? I've seen that photo before. Like he's holding a champagne bottle in his left hand, I think, and he's holding his crotch with his with his right hand. But like really iconic photo. Do, do you remember taking that one? Of course. I mean, that is, you know, one of my most iconic photos. And honestly, that was part of um, 
a press photo shoot I was doing for a very small record company called Def Jam at the time. And you have to bear in mind, I mean, all these sleeping bag, Next Plateau, Def Jam, they were small record companies, you know, run out of brownstones or people's living rooms or, and um, yeah, I mean, Slick Rick came around to my studio. I didn't know who he was, but I was like, you know, sure, I'll, I'll take pictures of him. And well, for a start, that photo, just what he's wearing, he's dressed in a Ralph Lauren polo suit and he's wearing a thin tie. He's wearing a Kangol. He's got sunglasses on <laughs> and Clark shoes. I mean, it's so iconic now the way he's dressed. And if I may mention just this week, I did a photo, which, well, I'm not sure if I can really say this, but it's for a new artist, woman artist, and we are playing uh, paying homage to that very picture. Oh, so you still have new, young, I'm guessing, hip-hop artists coming in and wanting to yes. wanting to yes. redo that sort of iconic image of him. That's very cool. She's amazing. She's called Bangs, and I think she's going to be huge. She's signed to a label. And, you know, we had so much fun with this, and it is. It's really an iconic picture. And, you know, the story goes... I always had my studio set up, you know, my background paper out and my strobes all ready, you know, and I make a little mark on the floor where the person's going to stand. And we, we were hanging out just drinking champagne and Slick Rick is from the UK originally. So, you know, we were drinking, we were playing music and then I'm like, okay, let's take some pictures. I had my camera set up and he just walked onto my set, put his, bag down on the floor, grabbed his crutch, and I took the picture. And it turns out to be one of, you know, I think it is a kind of legendary picture at this point. And definitely, you know, I sell it in galleries and it's been shown around the world, although some people, you can't really show it where kids are around. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I, is a shame for me. I loved the, um, the picture of LL Cool J who is a pup in that photo. Like, he's a baby in that photo, holding on to the boombox. He must have been, what, like, what, 18, 19 years old? Something, maybe even 17. Wow. And, you know, that was another one I would actually was doing for um, a press picture for Def Jam. And he was. It was literally his first press picture. One of my really good friends was the PR at Def Jam. We've been a really good friends to this day, Bill Adler. And uh, he brought him around. And, you know, LL just knew what to do. You could tell that he was a star from the moment he walked in. You know, he just jumped on the set, lifted up the boombox. You know, boom, we got that picture. And crazy th- thing, you know, he's still using that picture on T-shirts, his merch today. In fact, I was at Rock the Bells, which is a big festival that is organized by LL Cool J. And I was there uh, last Saturday, I don't know, a week ago Saturday. And, you know, it's so funny. There he is years later and there's the T-shirts. It's it's a kind of crazy thing that these artists are still using my images. And I love that. I have some uh, rapid-fire questions for you here about your career. 
And I want you to tell me what comes to mind immediately when I ask you these questions. Are you ready for this? Oh, boy. As ready as I'm going to be, as they say. The most unlikely place you've seen your work or a print of your work? That's a good question. I just was in a medieval town in the middle of Tuscany called Cortona. Yeah. And they had blown up my salt and pepper picture and my slick brick picture. I mean, wall size. I think they're about 12 foot high. And it was at a photo festival. So I was not, you know, bringing hip hop to a medieval town in the middle of Tuscany. <laughs> it's pretty fabulous. Favorite story to tell at a party about a hip hop shoot? Everybody wants to hear what's your worst story, what's your best story. And, um, you know, I think um, maybe the story of the NWA shoot. I was doing my first book with Bill Adler in 1990. We were working on it. Came out in 91. And I wanted to get some West Coast people. So I went, flew out to the West Coast and um, got in touch with NWA. And they were recording. And so I went to the recording studio and they came out. They said they didn't really have time. They were busy recording. And I got like an individual picture of everybody, Dr. Dre, so young, easy, e, everybody in this little alley. And then there was a police car coming down the street. And for some crazy reason, I jumped out in the middle of the road and hailed this police car. So this white lady with a bunch of guys standing in the middle of this street. And he stopped the car and I was like, excuse me, officer, would you mind if I took a picture of this pop group in front of your car? And he was like, oh, no, that's cool. So they stood in front of the car and I got my shot took about three minutes. And this was the time when their record, F the Police. Um, Thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. Much appreciated. Thank you for the radio there. I really, (laughs) really kind of you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Bearing in mind. Um, Was out. And they were like one of the most hated groups, you know, by by the LAPD for sure. And here I've got this picture of them standing in front of a police car in the middle of a hood. I mean, it was kind of a very funny story. So that's the that's the that's the go to dinner party one. Well, yes, there's a bit more to it, but I can't really say it on the radio. Oh, so. I, I appreciate that. Your <laughs> your proudest moment when it comes to your hip hop portraiture. That's that's a hard one. I mean, I think I'm just really proud that all these people that didn't know me accepted me into their culture and let me collaborate with them to take these photos, which, you know, years later, 40, 30 years later, are considered iconic images. That makes me really proud. And I hope that, you know, I had a little, played a little part in making, you know, some of them successful, like perhaps, you know, that iconic image that I took of salt and pepper in the eight ball jackets. Mm. That says salt and pepper to this day. And, you know, I'm very proud of that. The best compliment a subject has given you? Oh, well, you know, due to uh, Instagram and I keep uh, digging in my archives and putting pictures up, I recently put a photo of Big Daddy Kane up on my Instagram and he just (laughs) tagged and said something like, that's 
the best photo I've ever had taken of me. Mm. I thought that was pretty nice. It's been amazing to hear you talk a little bit about this incredible career you've had. I mean, obviously, you've also had this career outside of hip-hop as well. But, you know, as you mentioned, the photos you took in the early days of hip-hop and continued to take are have become like some of the most iconic photos in the history of hip-hop. And, and you mentioned, you know, LL Cool J and Fab Five Freddy and Run DMC, but there's also folks like Andre 3000 and, as you mentioned, NWA. I mean, this month is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. And one thing I'm hearing from you, and, and I've been fortunate enough to speak to a lot of people at this point from the sort of like early days, burgeoning first maybe decade of the of the music. And everyone kind of says the same thing. We didn't really know that it was going to get this big. We knew it had like potential. We knew it was an important cultural moment. We didn't know it was going to be sort of the biggest music and cultural movement on the globe. What's it like for you to look back on, on 50 years of that now? It's amazing. I mean, when I photographed Run DMC, it was for a British paper called The Face, which was a pretty fabulous magazine in 1984. And they were maybe famous on their block or maybe famous in Queens. I didn't know who they were. And I got this picture that now supposedly is, you know, some iconic picture of them standing on the street with a bunch of friends. And we just didn't know where it was going. You know, we hip hop was a small marinating culture. It came from the streets and I think it had time to kind of, you know, literally marinate and and become something really incredible. And I don't think anybody knew where it was going and it would be this big. I'm glad to have played a small part in it. Can you pick a song for us then? If you look back at your 50 years in, in this music and, and representing this music, we'd like to play a song at the end of an interview. What song takes you right back to that era, to New York in the, in the 80s, those early days that we've been talking about? I mean, the message, when I first came to New York, the message by Grandmaster Flash was just running around in my head because I was living in what is now an area called Tribeca, and it's very trendy. But back then it was like, disused warehouses and it really was you know rats in the alley junkies in the alley with rats in the basement junkies in the alley with a baseball bat it was a dangerous neighborhood and everything they were talking about would just resonate in my head when i you know went out in the street and carrying my camera and i i think that's maybe the song there are many I have to tell you I'm that sure that there are. might be the one. I'm sure there are. Well, listen, we're so grateful to you for making the time for us today and for sharing some of the insight behind these photos. And I'll encourage people to go to our website, cbc.ca slash Q, where we've shared a couple of these photos that they can have a look at themselves. And, and we'll direct people to your work as well. Jeanette, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much. This is really fun and really good questions. Thank you. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Like a jungle sometimes, it makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Broken glass everywhere, people on the stage, you know they just don't care. I can't take the smell, can't take the noise, got no money to move out, I guess I got no choice. Rats in the front room, roaches in the back. He's in the alley with the baseball bat I tried to get away but I couldn't get far Cause a man with the tow truck repossessed my car Don't push me cause I'm close to the edge I'm trying not to lose my head <laughs> It's like a jungle sometimes It makes me wonder how I keep from going under 
Here's something cool. Um, I was just in Cleveland uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'd never been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before. And they were doing a 50th anniversary of hip-hop exhibit. And I got to see um, the first ever pressing of The Message by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. And I, I gotta say, I was kind of like awestruck by it, knowing that that little record on the wall there really created the whole thing that's informed so much of our lives, especially, you know, people of my generation who grew up listening to so much hip-hop. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five with The Message. Before that, you heard my conversation with Jeanette Beckman, the renowned photographer known for her work documenting punk and hip-hop. Her latest book is called Rebels from Punk to Dior. She also has work showing in the Pilgrim Hotel, London, and the Seaport in New York City. For more information about her work, go to JeanetteBeckman.com. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. Uh, as you may have heard, I think I've said it 12 times on the show today, we are celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop all week here on Q. And today we've been talking a lot about the early days of the music, and you can't really do that without talking about Fab Five Freddy. If you don't know Fab Five Freddy, it's hard to describe him in one word. I mean, it's kind of hard to describe him in 100 words. He's a visual artist. He's a VJ. He's a filmmaker. He's a hip-hop historian. He's a visionary. In the 1980s, Freddie saw hip-hop as this multi-dimensional thing, like a kaleidoscope of rapping and graffiti and breakdancing and beatboxing and DJing. He ended up hosting a show called Yo! MTV Raps. He helped hip-hop grow into the huge cultural phenomenon that it is today. One of his greatest contributions was a film called Wild Styles. It was the first real film about hip-hop and hip-hop culture. And I got to talk to Fab Five Freddy, I think a couple of years ago, and I talked to him a little bit about the reasons he wanted to make that movie and the one beat that everyone was rapping on in the early days of hip-hop. Here's a little bit of my conversation with one of the pioneers of the genre, Fab Five Freddy. As a person that was initially focusing on making visual art, and I wanted to show, and there was nothing positive in press about graffiti. I mean, a lot of it was just straight vandalism, let's be honest. But we were wild kids just trying to just let out all this energy, which is why it was this like massive thing across the entire city. Every ethnic kind of background of kid did it. But, um, you know, there were certain people that went super duper hardcore and it developed into something, you know. And I guess the idea was is to create a world that people could see what we were doing as part of a of a culture because it was only looked at as really negative, you know, really with a lot of lot of racism motivating it. Those black and Spanish kids, you know, they're just bad and they wrong and they're vandalizing. So I wanted to create a a kind of a uh, uh, like a like a look at a complete culture with a music, a form of dance, uh, um, a form of you know visual art, if you will, and then bring all these things together in the movie Wild Style, which really helped embed that concept out there, and it it really caught on because it was a way that it represented like a lot of people in New York that had very little to nothing, creating this world that we could kind of entertain ourselves and. A lot of other people felt the need for that same thing wherever they were to the point where we are talking right now like the most dominant form of music in the world is actually is hip-hop, which is crazy the, to me. The, 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 <laughs> the, most, the most dominant culture in the world is hip-hop, you know? In, yeah, in so I mean, ways, it's just right? still you know? a... 
every ethnicity of kid everywhere uh, finds a way to express themselves using these uh, these tools that we that we kind of shared with everybody. Well, and, I, I want to go back to the early days of the honing of, of these tools. Take take a listen to this. I said a hip hop, the hip it, the hip it, hip hip hop. You don't stop, but rock it out, baby, bubble to the boogie dee bang bang, the boogie to the boogie dee bee. Now what you hear is not a test. I'm rapping to the beat. And me, the groove, and my friends are gonna try to move your feet. You see, If you're just joining us, this is Q. I'm Tom Power. I'm speaking with artist, director, hip-hop pioneer, Fab Five Freddy. So I got a reason I'm playing that, by the way. That's a bit of Rapper's Delight from the Sugar Hill Gang. I got a reason that's different than the one even you might think. But before we get to that, just tell me, like, that's a beat outside of, like, what the boys are doing, they're rapping over it. But, like, that's a beat that everyone was rhyming over, including yourself at early hip-hop parties. What made that beat so popular to rap over? Wow, that's a good question. Well, first of all, that's Sheik's Good Times, and um, that was the record. And that was a real pivotal, like, dance, funk, just an incredible record that was also, you know, a big part of the, what became known as disco. And it just had something to the record where that breakdown basic groove was easy to rap over, which is what was going on at that time. So this is a point in time when a lot of hip-hop is still on the street. It's underground. This is like late 70s. And like when that right record came out, the, mm-hmm. you know, the record with the right feel, DJs would play it and kids would just want to get on the mic. And that the whole idea of mixing back and forth between two and turntables, just keeping that steady groove going, that one particular breakdown part of the record, that became the thing. Fab Five Freddy is an artist, music director, and hip-hop pioneer. We spoke when his series, Grass is Greener, came out on Netflix. That is it for this episode of Q. As Hip Hop Week continues here on the show, uh, the other episode we put up today, I'm, I'm really excited we got to re-air this conversation. It's my chat with Wyclef Sean, who you might know from the Fugees. You might know as a solo artist. Did you know he produced some of the biggest like hip-hop and R&B and pop songs of the last three decades, like songs by Whitney Houston and Shakira, and, and he produced Ghetto Superstar? I didn't know that. Anyway, uh, Black Life Sean is here to talk about his incredible career in music. Go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.